Bottom of the Smash Mountain, Season 2, Episode 47, Achieving Melee Top 100. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Jesse and or Cypher. Hey, look, you get it. Thank you so much for joining me. We have Ryobeat. That's right. We have Ryobeat joining us for the interview today that I am conducting in the thing and the words. Thank you for... Wait, hold on. I should redo this. No, wait, I shouldn't. I lost my train of thought there. But let's just say that this was a fantastic interview with Ryobeat, and I had a really great conversation with him, and I'm very excited to share that with you. We got some stuff we got to talk about after the interview's over, but for now, let's hear from Ryobeat. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain, and today I'm so excited to be joined by Ryobeat, who you know as a fantastic peach, and Bbats has once described as the best streaming peach in the world. Ryobeat, how are you today? I am good. Thank you for having me on, Cypher. I did not know that Bbats called me the best streaming peach. Is that, like, does he mean it in the way of, like, Twitter clips, or does he mean it in the way of, like, I just, like, talk a lot, and I'm, like, very, like, public as I play? I should say specifically Twitch streaming. So I had Bbats on the other week, and I was saying, wait a second, hold on. Bbats, are you the best Twitch streaming peach right now? And he's like, oh, no, it can't be me. No, I don't want it to be me. <laughs> and he's like, uh, Ryobeat streams like once a month. There you go. There's your best. There's the best peach <laughs> streaming or for Twitch streams. Yeah. <laughs> That's super funny. So... I wanted to start with just a little bit of an overview of Smash for you as a whole because something that you had announced somewhat recently is that you'd be taking a bit of a step back to pursue your other, well, your career, your real life career. But can we talk a little bit about how you got into Melee and that sort of stuff? Sure. That sounds good. Um, so I've been playing for a really long time. So I've been playing since... Um, so I probably was like wave dashing at some point in 2011, but I consider my first start as Apex 2012. It's the first time I was like in the Smash community in, in general. Um, and like being, starting young and being young in general, like I'm 23, like I, like I don't consider like, you know, age zero to, I don't know, like nine, ten as like, you know, conscious years. <laughs> like I'm just kind of like still... I mean, I'm still underdeveloped as, like, a 14-year-old, but, like, less developed. I don't have a lot of memories from that time as much. So, like, pretty much what I'm trying to say is, like, the majority of my life, I've been thinking about Melee, participating in the Melee community, um, and just making it my goal to, like, compete as much as I can, get involved as much as I can. So, yeah, I would say just about nine years now. What was Apex 2012 for you like if that was one of the first tournaments or like the very first big major that you attended because that was something that like we look back on now is obviously a while ago it was even mentioned in the original Smash documentary when it was like I think it was Isaiah versus Captain Jack but Isaiah pretty much just sandbagged and then walked off the stage like right what was that experience like for you? So it it was really fun. Um, I I found it through Smashboards, which is a, a place that isn't used too much anymore. But it was like on a regional Discord, and everyone's talking about it. How all this, these people were coming in, and back then, like there were way less 
like unified ways to find information about the melee community and how things worked. So I had a lot of misconceptions. So like for example, everyone that showed up, like Armada, Mango, Mewtwo King, all those people, like I didn't consider where they lived and how often they played. So I was like, oh, this is just this just happens often. This will just be my like usual tournament. It's at a college place, you know, college events happen all the time, probably. So I'll just see these guys in another couple months, right? Little did I know that, like, everyone's from a different place all over the world, and it was kind of like a Super Bowl of events. I didn't realize it until I got there. And um, another really funny thing that happened was, like, um, so there were no player cams back in the day. And so um, I never really knew what people looked like. Like, there were some interviews I could, like, I knew those super-duper famous people, but everyone else I was, like, kind of confused on. So when I was, like, a little kid, 14, like, I would, I was obviously not very good. So I'd get on on a setup and just get, like, forced off by any Falco. And I would turn and be like, are you, uh, are you Zoo? And they're just like, no, I'm just, like, a guy from Pennsylvania. I'm like, oh, well. Um, and I would just do that over and over and over. I was successful two times. I got forced off by Luigi. I was like, are you Voodoo Jin? I was right. And then I got forced off by Pikachu. I'm like, are you Axe? And he's like, yeah, I'm Axe. So I got, I got some, but it was really, like, it was definitely, like, um, I was a big, oh, what's the word? Very starry-eyed kid. Like, I would just, like, see the top players I did know and get, like, really scared. And when I was asking around for people, like, I was, like, once they told me their names, I was also really scared. And, like, I would, I told, like, at least 100 people I was a big fan just because I had watched so many YouTube videos up until that point. Um, I was such a fan of the game at the time and not even thinking about, like, hardcore competing yet. That in my pool, I had Kage and a bunch of other people. I played my matches. Um, and um, in the middle of one of my sets, it's game three, me versus this person. And behind me is the USA versus the world crew battle. And I think Axe is destroying Kirby Kaze. And literally in between stocks, I like turn around and scream at the top of my lungs. And my opponent's like, what are you doing? Um, I'm trying to... Fo- you can't just scream. Like, uh, we're playing a set. I'm like... Oh, but it's so hype. Can we watch, please? Can we just pause it real quick? And they're like, no, I want to make it out of pools. And I'm like, all right, you can have the win. Whatever, I want to watch. Let's go, X! <laughs> I, like, didn't understand any social cues. So, like, I think the, the best way to summarize is that I was just, like, awestruck. Like, I just wanted I just wanted to see and appreciate everything. I wasn't even thinking about, like, oh, it's my goal to become really good at this game or whatever. I was just like, ooh, ah, tournaments, people that I've heard a lot. This is crazy. Um, and it was, it was really fun. I was definitely a bit, I was big in like spectator mode, I guess. It must've been really interesting that like, it's a five year pro trying to crack like the top 20 and then in pools, you're playing this kid who's going, Oh my gosh, look at Axe destroying this Kirby Kaze. Oh, this is so cool. And Mm -hmm. you're like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was so funny. So it was, it was the guy that I was one, one with was not Kage. Kage obliterated me. But it was just, like, a guy who, like, you know how it's, like, top two make it out? Like, he was going to be either third or second seed, so he needed to beat me. And I did take a game. And so I was just, like, messing with this whole thing. And he was getting super mad. But that was that was socially unaware Ryobi in 2012. It was really hilarious. When you would look around at some of the first events that you went to, including Apex 2012, I, I feel like 
people who would be around the 14-year-old bracket would be really interested in Brawl. And then in 2014 or so, when Smash for the Wii U got announced and started to get released, that that would be like the game of interest, but you're playing Melee. So what was that like for you when you would have people your age going, why aren't you playing the newer ones? Good question. Um, So I actually did start with Brawl. Not really competitively, so I would just play um games with my brother all the time i was pretty competitive with him because there was like this weird code of you know older brother younger brother dynamic where like he wanted so i was when i was like eight or something he was five years older than me so like let's say 13 he would want to play games with his friends in his room um just with his friends not with his dweeby younger brother one because you know he thought i was like you know cramping his cool 13 year old style and the other one was because he wanted to talk about like girls and drinking or something he's like oh i can't say that around an eight-year-old and i'm like come on chris i want to play with you and he's like no 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 and at one point he was just like you can play with me if like you can beat me or something but me and my friends are too good like that's not what he actually felt he just wanted me to leave him alone so he made up a reason and said you're just not good enough um because he loved playing games with me when his friends weren't there it's just that he want to hang out with his friends and do teenage things and not little kid things or a little kid like talk and so I would, like, practice extra, extra hard to beat him. And I started beating him in a bunch of the games that we played, like Mario Kart and, um, like, Tony Hawk, oddly enough. And then Brawl as well. And um, I got really competitive with it. And then at some point he's like, oh, you know, I met this, like, person at my high school whose little brother is actually also really good at, uh, at Smash. You got to play him. And I'm like, okay, I'm down. So he was same age as me. We, we were, like, best friends afterwards until, like, high school. And I go to his house and I'm like, oh, I got to beat you in Brawl. And I beat him, but he's like, oh, I don't even play that game. That's like the, that's like the casual game. You got to play the real game, Melee. I'm like, okay, I'm down. And he beat me up in Melee. And I don't think he knew what the like techniques were or anything like that. Like wave dashing, L canceling, that type of stuff. But he knew that, I think he was kind of like a hipster kid to some degree, him and his brother. Like, they always played... They didn't want to play the newest game. They had a little bit of, like, oh, you know, I stick with the old stuff type of mentality. So I was like, fine. This this guy had, like, a really cool, like, house to hang in, hang out in, and he had a lot of other friends that played Melee. I'm like, well, I don't really have a lot of f- friends that play Brawl. Um, so, okay, I'll play Melee. And so we would just go over and play all the time, like, free-for-all, singles, all types of stuff. And uh, I was still losing, and I was just trying every character. I was like, oh, man, I really need to beat this kid. So I started looking up, like, um, advanced melee or, like, like pro player melee. And then I found Genesis 1, which was super crazy. And I found um, Advanced How to Play by Waco7. Um, that old video was, like, the Smash tutorials at the time. And I, like, figured out up throw rest, and I would just rest my friend who played Fox. But then he would go, like, marth and then that would beat me and then i heard that sheik would beat him so i would go sheik like it was like very early like like noob slayer options that we were picking back and forth based off of these like little videos that we saw and then eventually we got some tech skills so like i definitely started to feel like to answer your question about like seeing other kids around me like doing something different on one hand my friend group was very into melee but on the other hand like yeah it was pretty socially isolating because i think people like played like league people played like call of duty People played a bunch of other games and like me and like my group of friends were just like the nerdy kids that were into this one thing that not only could like, you know, 
a lot of gamers that are men, they don't talk to a lot of girls in general, so I didn't. But I also didn't talk to a lot of gamer dudes because I didn't play any games that they liked. Oh, also like Madden and FIFA and stuff like that. So we were kind of in our own like little world. So it felt a little isolating at times, but then I went to a tournament and I'm like, oh, like there are people that really like this just as much as me. That's cool. Even if they were along like the 16-year-old, 18-year-old, and then there was probably even, even back in 2012 starting to be 20-year-olds and older people who had just been playing Melee ever since it came out trying to go to majors. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Like, I think, like, PC Chris had to be, like, maybe 25, 26 at the time he was at that event. Um, Lots of... I don't think anyone, like, very, very notable in the Smash community was... Or I don't think there's a large portion above, like, the age of 30. Like, I feel like we have a lot of, like, 28 and up players now. Like, a, a good, good amount. But back then, it was, like, that was the rare thing. So I definitely saw a lot of, like, college age kids. Like, 21 to 24 was the main, like, demographic I saw. And, like, every once in a while, I would see... Maybe there were, like, ten kids like me where it was just, like, you know, they were there with their older brother that played, and they also, like, played a little bit. Um, so I was definitely alone in, in that sense, for sure. So what, at what tournament or in what, what year did you start to feel like, oh, I'm starting to take some names now? There's people like, <laughs> who's this Ryobeat Peach player? Like, there's a buzz almost sort of a feeling. When did you start to feel that? So oddly enough, like, very early in my career, I actually got good quite fast. Well, I had, like, a weird, like, growth in Melee trajectory, which I'll get into in a bit later. But, like, I think after a year and a half, I was already taking big names. Like, I was... So I, like, had... I, like, started to go to some tournaments, and it was just really fun. Um, and I was just kind of doing it, like, for the love of the game. I didn't really care about competing. I met uh, JFlex, actually, back when I was, like, 14. He was Sex at the time, which was super funny. And he used to destroy me while also being really mean to me at the same time. Like, he would, like, taunt. He would, like, like talk shit at me in person. And I was just, like, a 14-year-old kid. I'm like, no, you're being mean. And, like, he would, like, pause when he got an up smash. He was like, ooh, that hurts, doesn't it? I'm like, oh, I hate you. So, like, I got super salty. And so I really wanted to beat him. But also that just, like, generally woke up my fire. Plus, like... I was playing a lot of hours a day just learning the game. Like, not because I was like, oh, I want to be the best, but just because, like, it was fun. And then that, like, little bit of competition started to come in. And then over time, like, the combination of being a little bit more competitive, plus playing a lot of hours, I was really starting to get better and, like, you know, not be 0-2-1-2. Funny enough, back in the day, like, the locals were so small. Like, once you're going 2-2 or 3-2, like, you're already, like, you know, close to PR. There weren't a lot of players. Um... I think one of my first big wins was a player named T-Web, who used to be ranked in Tri-State at NYC back in the day. And I remember, like, beating him, and, like, my hands were shaking. And he was, like, he had, like, a bunch of jobs. He's like, oh, my hands are so cold, you know, you didn't even beat me. Peach is my worst matchup. But I was just like, this is so sick. And I realized that, like, you know, people started talking about me. It's like, oh, snap, this little kid's just beating up people. And I think I just got, like, such a such a high from, like, being talked about. Honestly, like, I really liked being a crowd favorite. I really liked being appreciated, like, very publicly. Like, I think other people... I mean, everyone, like, likes validation to some degree. But I really like crowds and excitement. Like, I... Like, you know how everyone's like, oh, you know, Mango plays better on stream? I totally feel that way, too. Like, if I'm alone in the corner and no one cares about the match, I don't feel motivated. But, like, if everyone's talking about a match and everyone's hyping it up, like, I feel excited to play, and I feel like I play my best there. 
and like New York City is a very notably loud, rowdy, shit talk region, and like that energy like really made me want to like keep playing, just like you know beat up beat up the people that like talk shit about me and like yeah I'm better than you get fucked up, um and um and just like kind of keep that energy alive, and yeah I would say about a year and a half in I was beating. Lots of low-ranked NYC Tri-State players. One I remember that was really big was Strick9, if you know who that is. He's a Falco player from New Jersey. And he, like, had beaten West Balls at an Apex. He was, like, debatably... I think he was, like, around top 60-ish. And I 2-0'd him. He wasn't very good versus Peach, 100%. But, like, he was, like, the first seed at this, like, New Jersey tournament. And I remember just, like, going on Facebook and, and like, Smashboards and people were like, oh, my God, like, Fryobeat actually beat Strick9, like... What is going on? He's supposed to win the tournament. And um, I remember feeling extra cool because I was playing Strict 9, and the first game, it was the best of three. I three-stock him, and I his like little friend that I was sitting next to him was like, oh, Strict, do you have a fox? Please tell me you have a fox. I'm like, that's right, baby. Please bring out your fox. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, but, yeah, like everyone started like getting really excited about it. Some people were like, oh, you know, it's a fluke because he plays Peach, just down smash. That's why he's winning. Other people were like, oh, that's so sick. You know, this young kid getting good really fast. I didn't care if it was negative or positive. I just like talk. I've never been like a person that's like, you know, like super beat down by like shit talk or like, oh, I hate Peach. I like the the social competitive energy, like negative or positive. As long as like people are talking and excited, like that gets me motivated. So like that's when I was just like getting good. And also like, I don't want this to stop. Like, I want to keep investing more time. Do you think that, like, if it weren't for Melee or maybe perhaps video games in general, like, the competitive fire that you've been talking about is, like, slowly being pulled out of you where maybe when you were younger it just wasn't something you were really interested in, like, quote-unquote competition, but the more you got into it and the more you had somebody next to you who was a little bit better or maybe even a lot better where you're going, oh, but I got to figure out how to beat that person, like, did would you credit that at all pretty much to melee or how would you think about the way that competition just has been something that you've started to care more about? Um, yeah, totally. I definitely think like, co- like to connect like my competitive drive in melee to like my childhood upbringing. Like I came from a family that was like, my parents were like, uh, my parents were divorced. And like when I was a kid, they were like, you know, there was, like, alcoholics in the family, and they were fighting all the time, and, like, cops were called a lot of times, and, like, I was just kind of, like, a really scared kid, just, like, looking at them, like, fighting and watching, like, divorce stuff go on, and I was just, like, really scared, and then, um, so I wasn't, like, the most, like, I was pretty outgoing when I went to school, I was, like, talkative, but I never felt like I, I never wanted to, like, actively just, like, showcase something that, like, I love and, like, be passionate about my thing kind of loudly because like I I definitely had this feeling of like I don't want to do anything that upsets my parents and I don't want to bother them so like I'm just going to keep quiet about the things I do and the other ass element that I think uh like is important to think about is like my older brother was like at least in my opinion I don't know if he watches this podcast and like talks about it but we, we've talked about it a little bit I think my parents like him a good amount more particularly like when we were growing up um, I think my, you know, our, me and my mom and my brother are all super close now, and my dad is a whole different situation, but back in the day, everyone loved my brother because he played a lot of instruments, he spoke Spanish, um, we're Puerto Rican and Cuban, I don't speak Spanish, I don't play instruments, 
and he was very social around family and friends that came over the house. And I was just kind of like the video game kid. And I didn't really... You can't, like, showcase your love for video games. There's nothing impressive to show. Um, like, you know, you, you, if I show someone, like, me beating uh, Mario 64 level, like, an adult wouldn't understand that. A little kid doesn't really care. Even somewhere in between, like, my age, like, if they don't play that game, they don't really care. Um, but, um, like... I think that my brother was a big absorber of, like, attention. So, like, he was... And not not in the bad way, in the literal, like... You know, he played a lot of instruments for people. He played music. Uh, he impressed my parents with how much he knew Spanish. I was like, oh, this, this kid of ours is really performative. And also, like, you know, he embraces his culture. We love that. And me, it was just like, uh, you like video games. What is that? I don't understand it because I'm, like, you know, older. And then that other aspect of, like, you know them divorcing so like when i was at home i was very like no personality shown and when i was at school like, i got a little bit but like as much as you could at like a school and like as much as you could being like someone that plays video games even at school i was kind of bullied for um playing video games so much and being so obsessed with it um i think that a lot of kids like even the so i started with um i started with like a couple of people in my grade like eighth grade like maybe six-ish people and they all kind of dropped off one by one to do more normal high school things like you know play more popular games play some sports go to like some little high school parties even <laughs> no no recommendations but you know they were doing some underage drinking you know and i i and uh, a thing about me also is that i didn't start drinking alcohol and i've never done any drugs but the alcohol thing i haven't done till like last year so i'm a very like vanilla guy throughout even though i was like very social and like growing up very very vanilla i didn't want to go to high school parties i didn't want to play the mainstream games i was social but i just liked melee that was my only thing i did i liked video games particularly the older school ones but melee in particular so like i was very just like i had nowhere to like express this thing that i liked and i never had an opportunity even if i liked something else to just show people what i like and have them just be like wow that's really cool and just like appreciate me but I think when I got competitive, like, or when I started doing melee competition, like, I already just loved the game, but then just, like, that feedback of, like, doing a cool combo and hearing people excited or doing a little bit better in bracket and have someone be like, hey, nice run today. Like, throughout my childhood, I had never, ever had just, like, anyone really say, like, one, I'm really interested in the thing you're doing, and two, like, I'm excited to see you continue doing it. And even three, like, I like seeing you do it, like, visually. Like, I see you play the game, and I'm having a good time. Which is something, like, you know, my brother had in, like, music. Something that, like, my peers had and like, you know, just liking more popular things. And that, like, feedback loop really, like, got me hooked on competition, for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like <clears throat> somebody goes, that was a nice reverse fare to take that set. And you're like, oh, yeah, you like that? You like that? You know, it's, you know, it's no big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Totally. Yeah, I I loved like I mean I'm I definitely consider myself a, you know, very flashy player and like that's kind of the reason I like doing it. I like doing the things that make people excited and like obviously like it kind of came like over time it was kind of just like a stylistic choice and you know just kind of how I grew up to play but like if I knew something was like exciting to do and people were watching I would go for it and like just because I like that feedback loop so much. I I didn't think about it in the moment but like indirectly i was definitely thinking just like i really like that people appreciate me 
doing my favorite thing and enjoying it and like it's not weird to them it's not foreign it like makes sense and they're having a good time when you have like an rng miracle like two stitch faces in a row or something like that is that something you you go oh i really need to make this count this has to be hype hopefully somebody's recording or this this is on stream like do you feel that pressure or when you're in a bracket and you're playing a tournament match you're thinking okay well if we can make it happen, we'll make it happen. But otherwise, I'd, I'd just try to win this game first. And maybe that's changed for you. But what do you think when you think of something kind of happening with, like, the turnip pulling shenanigans? I think turnip pulling shenanigans, I don't have any particular, like, feeling towards. Like, maybe, you know, once I pull, like, a bomb or a beam sword, I start giggling. I'm like, oh, I'm about to do some funny stuff to him. Like, there was someone named uh, Reno who I got, like, down tilt, fully charged beam sword F smash, and the whole room was just like, oh, it was super fun. But like, Stitch Faces, like, it's kind of hard to make those fun. I just kind of need the damage and need the kill. But I think that brings me to another point of like, do I ever get nervous going for these types of things, or just kind of nervous about disappointing people in terms of like how they um, enjoy my play? Like, yes and no. So, like, it, it definitely changed at a point in my career where, like, I've never been nervous or super nervous when people watch me perform and play. Like, that aspect is, like, fine. If anything, I enjoy it. Sometimes when there's a crowd, I even play better than if there's no crowd because, like, they re-energize me to, like, keep trying. But, um, like, I definitely think there was a point in time, like, once, you know, NPGR stuff started being in the works around 2015, um... And, oh, to, to go back to the point of, like, how, or go back to the topic of, like, what my growth has been like in Manic. So I've been playing for nine years and, like, a year and a half in, like, I got really good, like, low ranked in my region. Maybe, like, somewhere in, like, the 20 to, like, 12 area of, like, tri-state top 20. And I was always pretty good, always pretty good. But once I got to that point, I just kind of stagnated. And it was fine, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it too much. But then MPGR came around and I was... Every year I would get a little bit better. Not at a crazy rate, but, like, you know, I'd go from 17th on the PR to 16th. Maybe I'd go back up to 18th, but then I'd go to 15th. Like, nice and slow. Um, but then at some point someone's like, or a lot of people used to say, like, oh, wow, like, right, but you're getting, like, pretty good, you know. If you just get a top 100 win at a national, then, like, that's it. Like, you're going to be top 100. And I was just, like, so freaked out for some reason. Like, I think just, like, the pressure of being almost there and almost this big alluring number with a picture attached to it was so scary to me i wanted it really bad because obviously i was like very competitive like this was about like four or five years into the game um but i think like to if i could like tie together that with like a validation note like i think like when I wasn't thinking about it. I, I thought about it a little bit, but, like, I thought about it more and more as, like, the top 100 allure came around. Is that, like, every time someone asked me that wasn't in the Melee community, like, what I do, like, why do I spend so many hours playing games or playing Melee and so many hours traveling and so many hours just, like, analyzing in my free time, not hanging out with other people at high school and stuff like that. Um, like, of course, I'd say, oh, you know, because I want to play Melee, but they're like, okay, so what do you get from it, right? Like, the, the classic gamer question, are you getting paid, you know? That type of thing. And, like, maybe sometimes I got paid $80 for second once in a while. Or at that point in my, like, being ranked time. And I 
I can say I'm 17th in New York, but that's not, like, as tangible, and it's not as, like, you know, in the limelight, and hard to explain to people who don't understand, like, oh, I guess that's, that's, that's cool, it's, it's a lot of time, and, like, you're only, like, this good after five years, like, but it's a hard game, as we all know, and I think, I think every person who's been on the verge of top 100 can, at least in their own way, identify with the idea of, like, when you become, the idea of becoming top 100 is just, like, a sign that, like, not only did you make it in the Melee community, but you can show other people, like, tangibly that, like, your time was worth it. And, like, this was a good investment and also just, like, you're, you have, like, a, a shining little trophy that you can, like, hold up to people when they ask you the question of, like, what do you do with your time? And, like, even if, like, deep down, you know, or like, let's say at the forefront, everyone's like, no, I play for, like, the love of the game. I play for this side and the other, and I, I do too, obviously. Like, I love the game, I love the community and all that. Like, in the back of your head, there's, like, some, like, social element to it of, like, society, like, judging how you spend your time and how productive it is that those types of things get you really anxious and upset and worried about every time you perform. And then, like, for me, like, I think when I was playing... So it was like my fifth year in the game or so is when Top 100 started coming around and they're like, oh, Nico, like you're pretty close to getting it. I'm like, okay, yeah. And like three years in a row, I didn't. Like one year I was close, one year I was completely off, another one I was like, meh, like somewhere in between that. And I would just get unbelievably nervous at Nationals because that statement was always in my head. Oh, you just need one Top 100 win. So all your local wins are great. Your regional wins are great. You just need that one national that will really put you on the map. And I would get so nervous. Like, I was freaking out all the time. Like, I couldn't sleep. My hands would start shaking. Like, I was... I would go into pools and just, like... I'm, I, like, have lost, like, my round one in pools being, like, a, a projected top 128 bracket player. And then I, I would make always make a loser's run and then lose to, like, a really good player. But, like... I would always get incredibly nervous. Like I would always lose to so I would always be upset at a national. And then over time I would like take game one versus top player. And then my heart would start racing at a national. I would like drop it. Like I think 2018, like I played five or six different top 50 players and I brought them all to game three, game five. And I lost all of them just because I was like, so, so nervous thinking about top 100 and like the idea of like, you just need to do it once. And then, who you're going to be validated forever um so i think i guess to the point of like th this is kind of like a little bit of a tangent but like to the point of like you know performing for others um it kind of like became different once top 100 and pgr stuff was a thing like it started with like first year and a half was just like pure like like, sorry-eyed kid just wants to like play as much as he can and then after that it's like wow i like the validation of this you know, some days are bad, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, like, really enjoying myself. And, like, losing feels a little bad, but, like, i rather play all the time. And then, like, then I just got really nervous about results ever since, like, the first MPGR came out. So what was your first top 100 win? Mm. So first top 100 win, I don't quite remember because, um, like, throughout my time playing Melee, like, or throughout my time before I got top 100, I've always gotten some top 100 wins here and there at locals, at regionals. Like, I can name, you know, just a couple of ranked players in my region. 
Oh, but, okay. But you're, oh, so you're talking about like at a major, like on stream, that kind of thing, where the melee stats collected would actually see you. Yeah, exactly. Which I do remember very vividly. Like that's how much of like a thorn in my side doing well at nationals was because um, I think I probably had a top 100 level win starting like my second year, third year playing melee. Um, and I would continue to get them over and over and over. And they, it was nerve wracking, but not the same as like at a national. So funny enough, I like, so two and a half years into the game, I probably had my first top 100 win. It wasn't until, um, I want to say 2019 that I got my first top 100 win at a national. And I already traveled to like 14 or 15 different majors. And I had already gotten like dozens of top 100 wins before that. It just took, I don't know, seven years to get one top 100 win at a national. It was, it was so nerve wracking. And even then I was, I was just so nervous. I, I, I didn't think I'd do it. Um, I had to play Ty at Genesis. He was a top 100 player I beat. And like, I think I played him at Smash Camp and some friendlies and I won every single one. And I was like, oh, you know, I, like, this feels really good. You know, I love the Marth matchup. I played with a lot of Marths and I always, like, said, like, oh, you know, if, if I were to get a top 100 win, I feel like I would have to, like, beat, like, a, a lower-end top 100 Marth, because I love fighting Marth. And I saw the bracket and saw I had to play tie. Like, my heart turned in a knot, because I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to get it. But I'm so, so nervous to just, like, do it. Like, even if I had the proof, like, I literally, like, when I played friendless with him, I, like, won 90% of them. I was still so nervous. I was like... I am the biggest choker at every single national ever. Um, but we play at Genesis. I, I think I only have, like, two friends watching, and they're not even, like, my close, close friends. And, like, game one, I win really solidly. Like, I think I, like, two-stock. And, like, similar to, like, every other time I've played, like, a really good player at a national, like, my heart just starts, like, pounding. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to do it. And it's just best of three. Then he three-stocks me the next game on Stadium, and I'm like, ugh. No, it's, I'm losing it again. I'm literally going to, like, throw it all away. Like, I always do. And I just, like, tried to tell myself, like, I had gone through so many mentality hurdles of, like, things to tell myself, things to calm myself down. And I think the biggest things I told myself is just, like, one thing I always tell myself till this day when I play Melee is just, like, you have to play in the way that you practice and the way that you think is good, even if you're scared to go for it. Like, if I think the hardest option or, like, a really difficult option is the best thing to do right here. Even if I SD, I need to go for it. Because i rather, like, lose trying what I know is good than, like, cheese something out and, like, freestyle it. And so that's one principle I always try to give myself. Um, and two, I'm trying to think. There's, like, that, I, I, tro I like, generally told myself to, like, just hold center stage, not go into the corner so I don't get gimped. That's, like, a, a gameplay one. And then just, like, I think... The other thing I tried to tell myself a lot is just like, oh, you know, like, if you're the better player, you will win. So your only goal is to just be a good player. There's nothing else. You just need to play good melee. You don't, it's not about beating top 100, or top 100 number of this guy. It's not about beating, like, his name and what that means in the community. I just have to beat, like, Marth. I just have to play good melee, and I just have to stick to the things I practiced. And whatever happens, happens. And, like, I tried to drill that in a lot, and then I won game three. I think it was, I think it was a two stock. 
I remember thinking the whole time, like, I was at Last Talk, I'm like, I do not want to go to Last Talk. I'm going to get gimped in SD somehow because I'm so nervous. And I pulled it out, and I was just, like, shaking. Like, my hands were in my on my face. I like, looked at the floor for a bit. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was completely just, like, holy shit, I did it. Even though I knew it didn't mean, like, I was going to get top 100 or anything. Like, it's it was January of Genesis. Or that Genesis 2019, so, like, there's a lot more to be done, but I was just like, finally, I know that at the end of the day, I can know, I don't have to say I have a problem at nationals because I did it today. So like, I was just so happy with that. And then I went on to actually do really well in the bracket. Um, I think I lost my next two matches, but I played versus Kells and that was two last talk games. And then I played West balls on stream in front of everybody, big crowd. Um, and it was game three last stock. And it was really close. I, I won the first game, was a hit away from taking the second, and the third was still really close. And, like, I really felt like once I beat Ty that day, like, so many nerves got released. Like, I just needed, like, one one data point to say that, like, I could do it at a national. And, and then, like, I could just, like, remind myself every time. Like, no, actually, you can do it because you did it at this point. And, yeah, that was my my first top 100 winner at national but like i i think of that as like the, one of the biggest moments of my like male career so when you see your your tag at 73rd for the mpgr 2019 like top 100 rankings is like just so much validation for you and something that you can say to somebody yeah i'm a top 100 player in this game this game that's like 15 plus years old this game that a lot of people have played and have always kind of been like oh what if i was really good but i've actually i've actually done that so you know it's not a big deal but like <laughs> let's see you try and do it yeah i was so sad i literally didn't sleep like three nights in a row when they were like announcing like you know 10 by 10 and i just like kept not seeing my name like even though all my friends are just like you clearly got it like you're everyone has you like in the 60s or 70s you're fine and i'm just like oh, i don't know i don't know i don't know and then i got it and like I don't know. It that day was so. It, I don't know if I went to a tournament and then got upset by two players, <laughs> but like I didn't even care. <laughs> like I like I was just so happy, and it's funny because I think a lot of people say like, "Oh, you know, once you're top 100, you have this like pressure on your back that you have to like uphold, like you know, your rank and prove that you're good and all that, and like show that you deserved it." I've never ever felt that. I ne- or you know, maybe time would have went on during quarantine and I would have felt that, but like. I never felt that way. I feel like once I got top 100, I'm like, I am proud of what I've done in Melee. And if I never play again, like, I can say I had my moment. And, like, that was enough for me. Um, so I think that, that like, being top 100 just, like, like made all the years of, like, oh, was this worth it? What do people think about me? And all this stuff. Like, you know, I was, like, coming to terms with it and all that. And, like, you know, trying to work it out. Even without being top 100. Because, you know, maybe I don't get it, but like definitely definitely like one of the best things i've done playing melee and it's something that like just kind of sticks with me for a while it's like a thing i can say i did at a point in time like if i don't play the game for five years or something it's like oh what'd you do when you were 20 i'm like yeah i like really grind this game traveled the country and at one point i was 73 in the world i'm like that's so cool to think about to me that's absolutely i mean like just thinking about something like that for me or, or anybody who has had like 
the actual story play out because I've never been top 100 anything, blah, blah, blah. I'm probably not even top 100 Melee podcaster, but the point is is that you did all of the things that you needed to do to get to that point and then you succeeded and yeah there's other things going on in life that are very important and paying bills and going to school doing doing the life stuff but the fact that it starts off as a hobby or or something that you're really interested in and that you're passionate about and turning it into something that you're competitive about to have that be tangibly visible to say i was and am really really good at this game is I'm, yeah. I'm so happy that that worked out for you and it's probably it sounded to me because you do look back on that now as being a really big deal for you and of course it is regardless but especially in the wake of you starting to take more of a step back from melee where you're not going to be going to five majors a year even as COVID restrictions continue to lift and hopefully we continue to move into an era where IRL events do become more and more regular, especially majors, but that you won't be necessarily doing that. You won't necessarily be going to the locals every week. So for you, what has, what have been some of the thoughts that you've had, like, especially more recently of just like what your relationship has been to the game and to the community? So I think, um, Quarantine really, like, I think gave everyone kind of, like, a really introspective period for themselves. And, like, I think when you lose out on a year and a half of your life and you just, like, have to stay inside and, like, cancel a lot of things that you were planning and doing, like, having a lot of setbacks, um, things that... I think one thing that I really realized also is there are some... Well, it's, it shows that, you know, how precious time is, but also like that there are some things in time that you can't get back. Like there are some things you can only do for certain periods of time. So for example, something I think about all the time that's like not the biggest deal in the world, but I didn't go to my high school prom because I was like going through some relationship drama and I was just like, I'm too sad. I don't want to go. I'm just going to stay home. And then I, I think about that. I'm like, no, like I, I didn't have a, a final chance to like, you know, say goodbye to my classmates that I like had known for many years and have a good time one last time and celebrate that. And that's something like I, I think about, it's like, yeah, that is something I literally cannot go back and do. Like, there's no way. Um, like, unless I somehow go back to high school. Well, I'm, I'm going to be a high school teacher, so I will go to a prom, but it won't be that prom. Um, but nonetheless, like there's some things you can only do for certain periods of time because, you know, you know, you start at age zero, then you go to 80 and there's like things for like different age periods, if that makes sense. Like, there's your, you know, middle school life and then your high school life, your college life, your um, first couple years at a job. Then you go to a new job. Then you first have relationship. A yeah. Yeah. First big relationship. Maybe like married, maybe kids, maybe move to a new state. Um, like a lot of things. Retirement also. And none of them being worse than the other. Like I, I feel like sometimes, you know, people say like, oh, you're young years or whatever. But, you know, there's a lot of specific things to like being age 30 to 40 that are really cool. 40 to 50, 50 to 60 that like you don't really have. Like I imagine like as you get older, you have grandchildren. So now you're like the big like figure of your whole family. Like that's something unique to that age. That's really cool. Um, and like all ages kind of have those things. And um, I think as quarantine happened, I, I reflected on like a lot of my time. And I'm like, what did I do with my time? Like, when what have I lost out on? Because I didn't get to go to nationals anymore. I was like at the peak of my game. 
I would say that like I was like top 40 in the world-ish when quarantine ended. If I was thinking about like my last six months of results. And <clears throat> I think about Melee and like genuinely like I'm just like I did everything right with Melee. Specifically Melee. Obviously, you know, there's other things. Like, I wish I went to more college parties and more, was a little bit more social in classrooms. But specifically with like how did I spend my time in Melee? 10 out of 10, I have no regrets. Everything I did was I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud to have known other people who are amazing and like travel all around the country, make friends all around the country. Um, my roommates are smashers. A lot of job opportunities I've gotten from our smashers. A lot of smashers have so- shown me new things. I've run charity events and done been on podcasts like this and met new people and j- just so many things I've done with Melee. I've got ranked. I've, I've like helped new people get better coaching, all different types of experiences in Melee, 10 out of 10. I used my time very well in the Melee community. And I think as time goes on, I realize that, like, well, one, that time is kind of coming to a close. Not because I... I, I'm I'm definitely, like, less passionate about Melee these days than before. I think quarantine is part of it. I think, you know, the realization, I'm sorry, my career is part of it, but outside of just pure competitiveness, like, there is a certain amount of like traveling and like craziness that you can do that when that you're young, like in, in college and high school that you can't do as you start your career. And also I think about it, I'm like, I am actually really excited about my career. I really am excited to be a high school teacher and to like serve a specific community of school children and working with their parents and their families and trying to give them like an equitable experience. It's like, you know, all that stuff. And I think because, you know, in my opinion, like, quarantine has shown me that, like, you know, life has, like, all these little periods. I don't want to just spend my entire life doing Melee as my number one priority. Like, I'll always have Melee in my life because of just how much my life has been Melee. And I'll always try to help in as many ways as I can. And I'll, I'll still enter tournaments. I'll still practice here and there. I'll still post combos and all that stuff. But, like, I don't want it to be my number one priority anymore because I realize that, like, by playing Melee the way I've played it and, like, really like thrown myself in and explored and like talked to lots of different people and done a lot of experiences i've gotten such a 10 out of 10 feeling life satisfaction everything from melee and now thinking about like if i brought my melee energy to any other thing like what new things could i learn about what new people could i meet what new experiences could i have and yeah i think like and i am passionate about other things like you know teaching and stuff like that so like I want to put more energy into that for that reason. Just to, like, have a lot more experiences. Especially knowing that, like, if I never played Melee again, I know that I had, like, the limit of amazing experiences. Like, I I don't... I can't think of something in Melee particularly that I'm like, dang, if only I did that. Like, I really did everything. I've worn a lot of different hats in the community. I've been commentator guy. Or, not commentator. Well, I've done, you know, local commentator. Top, Top player guy. I've been community leader guy donation to guy like lots of different stuff and um i don't regret any of it and all of it was really great so like i want to do lots of other things i want to do that exact thing in other fields if that makes sense so to talk about your your passion for teaching and what you look forward to that i think a great way to sort of combine it with melee is how you were the coach to Catbug, and the there was this event that 
recently happened here. I want to get the name right. The, yes, the team combo event. So do you want to talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit and like what your philosophy behind teaching melee or just teaching in general is? Yeah. Um, so I, the way I, I view teaching is like, I think there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but like the short end version of like how I feel about teaching is like teaching is something you, you know, you teach someone a skill or thing that like you feel pretty passionate about and that you think not only are you good at, but that you think is valuable in life and stuff like that. So like, you know, I think literacy is something that everyone should know and everyone should know how to like, you know, write fluently, create arguments, analyze texts, um, be well-versed in a lot of different like, um, types of people and backgrounds and themes and that type of thing. And like melee also think is an amazing thing to do. It's like a great competitive outlet, really fun. I love the community, all that stuff. And that is just one part of teaching that I think is really cool. Also, you know, the philosophy of teaching, how do people work best, that type of thing. But what I really like about teaching, the things I like, and teaching in general and how it works with, like, people and their identities is just, like, I think that teaching is a part of being a, a role of a community. And, like, the Manly community has always been, like, my home. It's, it's the place that, like, I've met all my roommates and friends and... Um, like inspirations and people that have taught me things from all around the country and all that stuff, all that good stuff. And I think that like, in many ways I am a student to them. Like I think when I think of my own teachers, like it's not just, you know, the people that taught me how to wave dash. It's the people that, you know, showed me where I can get the best food in New York city, where like I think of Prague is someone who like, really has talked a lot about like social issues in smash that like really taught me how i wanted to view it um there were my tos that like you know would scrounge up some money to help me go to tournaments or just like you know help me be at a local safely as a kid um and that's all part of like i i consider that as part of being a teacher and part of being like a leader and a role model i think teacher can like kind of commingle with those words and so i really care about building a great community and when I teach, I think that's one part of it. For in melee, in a much smaller scale, because there's so many different roles you can have. Like, if I wanted to be the most influential role in Smash community, I would be a TO. Um, teaching melee, I just happen to be pretty good at, and I think there's like a low amount of people that are teaching Peach, so like I want to do that. Plus, you know, a nice little bit of money here and there is also good. Um, but being a high school teacher is you have to do so many things. You're accountable for thousands of kids and their families and you need to know their backgrounds and you need to know about like their socioeconomic situation how they learn and the skills that they learn in school are going to carry out into how they have their careers and the way that they form social interactions are going to like translate to how they're going to be as adults so like you know i'm facilitating that in my classroom facilitating it at the extracurricular activities i'm teaching that through the books i'm going to teach in english all that stuff i, I like categorize as like building a very like tight-knit community where everyone supports everyone to do the thing that they want to do in like the in a broad term so like that's what i'm really passionate about in teaching i pick english because um it's just kind of i think it's something that like you can really translate to like bigger world things and i can help students like think about like identity and like you know just like community in general like i think i like math more like that's more fun for me but i like the relatability of english but honestly, like if I if I couldn't be an English teacher, like I think some English teachers like, oh, I would go be a writer or an editor. Like I would go be a school counselor or an extra like a summer program person or a 
like someone that like facilitates a big community space, particularly for youth, because I care about that. And I really liked my upbringing in youth. And I think it allowed me to do a lot of the things I do today and know about today. So like, just that like, I don't know, ecosystem of like, one, like a, a group of people that like take care of the newer people and like show them the ropes in a lot of different ways so that they can pursue their thing is like a big thing I always think about. And so that's how like teaching kind of works into this. You're going to be like an awesome, fantastic teacher, Ryobi. Holy cow. <laughs> Thank you. I, well, one thing I worry about is that I don't know my content that well. I don't, I'm not that great at English <laughs> or like I'm good at English and but I'm not like, you know, I'm not the Shakespeare guy. Like I don't like know the book that deeply and I don't know, I'm not like super prepared to like teach yet. I, I think I have like a lot of good ideas and my philosophy is like in the right place, but like, yeah, that, that that's what I care about. I, I care so much about like the classroom environment. And, like, the subject is one thing to me, but I really care about, like, community and building stuff like that. Like, that's what I think about all the time. And it's, like, whether that's a school, whether that's, like, a town, whether that's a gaming community, like, that ecosystem of everyone taking care of each other is, like, what I'm really passionate about. I, I mean, I, I would love to ask more questions, but we are getting close to the end of our time here. So I want to make sure that you offer any other closing thoughts that you want to give and also to tell the people where they can find you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on this. I've definitely seen the the podcast a bit floating around my timeline. I'm like, oh, I'd actually love to be on that. This looks super cool. Um, so thank you for having me. Um, I My Twitter is at Ryobeat. So I won't be streaming too much because, you know, teaching can be like a pretty public job and a parent could be like, oh, he's listening to this song that talks about drugs, and well, now we're going to tell a principal. It, it can be complicated, so just to be safe, going to lay low on the public side, but at Ryobeat will be just about gameplay and Melee community-related opinions, so safe place to follow me that I'll be pretty open. Um, and outside of that, closing thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. This was a really fun interview, just kind of thinking about my whole time in Melee and thinking about, like, all the different ways I've explored it, and it just makes me really excited to, like, see the next generation of community members and thinking about, like, more things I want to do in the Melee community that, like, promote that. Because, like, <clears throat> I don't know how I see is like, I mean, I, it, there's a chance that, like, you know, I, like, rekindle my top player drive and I get even better than I have been. Um, or, you know, I consistently become good and I want to enter more. But I'm very happy with, like, my time as, like, a good player. But... It would be so sick if I could, like, be a TO or a local TO or a local commentator. Something like that. A TO or a commentator, I think, would be really nice. Um, just to, like, bring up new players. Um, I think that's, like, really cool to do. And <clears throat> every time I, like... Like, what usually motivates me is just thinking about, like, you know, I had a really sick time in the Melee community. And I had a lot of TOs and friends and commentators and top players that, like, made my time so worth it and fun that, like... I just wanted to make sure that everyone else has that time. There's really not much more for me to say other than I don't know you like uh, super personally other than this conversation that we're having. But I just wanted to tell you that, like how uh, how much I admired the way that you would go to bat for people like people who either didn't want to speak up a lot for themselves or had a harder time speaking up for themselves. You were always someone who said everyone deserves to be here. Like there's like there might be this thing where someone isn't as welcome because there's not the cool factor or they're not good at pressing the buttons good factor or, or what have you. But you remember those times where you were sort of like 
not necessarily like a, a big outcast and had to like fight your way into the community or anything, but you just remember the times where you were the new person on the block and trying to bring up the next people and also to say, hey, this group has kind of been marginalized against and I would like to speak up on their behalf. Like the the way that you've done that in and just gone against the the black hole that is smash twitter i i just have to say it's very admirable of you that that you did that and that you feel like strongly enough to say i i want this to be a safe welcoming space and i want to be part of making that happen i know that won't be as easy to do moving forward but just like the way that you did that in in 2020 in particular again uh, wanted to say how much I admire that and we'll we'll miss you being regularly involved in melee or at least for my part I'll be missing you Raya beat thank you yeah I um I yeah I just feel like now nah, I always just bring it back to just like you know if if you love like the melee community and if you love what it's done for you it's like it feels just like the right thing to do to make sure that people can have that like you know in our community and like a lot of gaming communities it's like you know, LGBTQ people and women are the the sections that don't get to have the same time as us for many different reasons. And I just think about the fact of like, you know, like I was able to like go to hotels with random people and driving people's cars and like thinking about like, you know, women feeling really not great doing those things or they go to a tournament and have to wonder about like someone just like saying, oh, you're this good for a girl. Do you have a boyfriend? Like that sucks because if, if I was a woman, I would I would not be where I am I'd probably quit the game I'd probably go do something else when it could have been what it is for me now which is just like everything um so I'm I'm always really happy to speak up for those people and um definitely appreciate your appreciation for me doing that it's definitely something I'll continue to do in the ways that I can you know and I I'll definitely you know I've heard lots of like oh you know like we'll miss you and stuff like that like I, I I really appreciate it and I love you know the 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 love I've been receiving, but also, don't worry, I'll, I'll be around. I'll always be on Twitter in some way. I'm addicted to that stupid app. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, you know, if I'm not that public, you know, you'll you'll see me at events, like, volunteering and helping T.O. a pool or DMing someone who is at the lead of everything and maybe giving some advice or doing stuff in a Discord. No matter what, the Melee community always has my heart, so I'll be here in, in one way or another. Oh, I love hearing that. All right. Well, one more time, yeah. Ryobi, thank you so much for joining me on Bottom of the Smash Mountain. All right. Thank you so much for having me. I'll catch you later. Bye. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right. Transition. Woohoo. We made it. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryobi. Sorry for losing my train of thought in the beginning, but as you can see, or wait, <laughs> as you can hear, I am okay at carrying a conversation, but just I'm not always on point with the introductions. So... What do we have to talk about? First of all, Summit 11 is happening right now. That's right. We've already had the Olympic doubles. We've had three-on-three basketball. They're doing the obstacle course right now. Oh, man, I'm just going to say it. Hey, look, when you have one of the best or one of the most popular streamers on Twitch, on the platform itself, raid your stream, what do you do? Well, if you're the BTS Smash Twitch streaming team, what you do is you have the people on the couch talk about how awesome the obstacle course is going to be for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then you go to commercial break. That's audience retention. Hey, look, there are things that happen outside of the BTS's team control, 
And this was just one of those instances where I guess they weren't ready to start right away to kick the entertainment into gear. And of course, a bunch of the people who were on Ludwig's stream are going to leave right away, regardless of what's happening. I mean, unless there's, I, I don't know, unless there's like an explosion of some kind, like, hey, look, firecrackers. And then the 10,000 short attention span people would go, oh, 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 okay, all right, now I'm going. That's probably what was going to happen regardless. But still, I was thinking to myself at the time, I want to watch this obstacle course. And they came back from commercial break, and this is great, and we're going to get to see the first round of, oh, more commercial break. And it was then punctuated by the fact of, oh, wow, Ludwig Raid. This is great. A lot of people are going to get to see Smash stuff, perhaps for the first time, and it's going to be an obstacle course, so it'll be a little weird, but that doesn't matter because the personalities of this game will show and melee, melee, long live melee, and it just didn't happen. So I was feeling a little miffed about it. And I told my wife that I wasn't going to complain about it on my podcast, but here we are. (laughs) That's my B. So that was the one thing that I wanted to talk about. I also wanted to talk about some other things that have happened that I have not yet had a chance to react to. Uh, One of the people that had been accused of things last summer came out with a statement today so won't name names or anything if you want to do your investigative research you can go on the internet and find out but I have not yet gotten a chance to watch it so I'm going to save what limited thoughts I want to offer until afterwards but that did happen just to let you know and I am also trying to remember if I have anything else that I wanted to mention Let's see. We had some family pictures come through for my entire family. We were all together this past weekend for the first time in forever. That was why there was limited episode production last week, by the way. Just for those of you who like to keep up, I normally try to do three podcast episodes a week, but I did not do three podcast episodes last week because of family being in town. And it was really fun, and we got to have pictures, and the pictures came back today, and they were so adorable. They were so adorable. Will you get to see any of them? No. No, you will not. I have made a point of not really uploading pictures of myself, but especially not pictures of my kids. So there's that, but they're adorable, trust me. Super, super cute. Maybe someday you'll... When they're old enough to consider these things and then say, you know what, Dad, we're cool with it. You can post pictures of us. Then maybe I'll go from there, but not until I get to have that conversation with them. And not as like a four-year-old, you know. My daughter, Ellie, she's the oldest. She's three. So do you really think you can ask a three-year-old that kind of a question? She barely understands the concept. She she does understand it somewhat. She's aware that there's a thing that Mommy and Daddy go on sometimes on their phones, but that's hasn't really settled in quite yet what's the next generation after the zoomers because is she okay well anyway before i dive into a rabbit hole about what age group my daughter is supposed to be in let's talk about let's talk about okay man i had this locked in my head and then i talked about my daughter too much oh right we're moving (laughs) i've already mentioned this to some of y'all but we're moving from one part of Lancaster County, Lidditz, to another. 
in Mountville. So that's exciting. We are going to be moving in a few weeks on July 31st. So that's very exciting. We're going to settle on Friday, July 23rd. That's also very exciting. This is, these are just details that are I'm really jazzed about because with moving into our own property that we are signing a mortgage for in order to own and escrow all those fun adulting terms, that means that I, along with my wife, will become property owners. That's right. It's going to be in her name too. Hello, 21st century. Hello, hello. And we're going to have DAS internet. So I'm very excited about that. And that means that I'm going to try to do some video stuff specifically. I'm not sure what that all is going to entail just yet, but I want to do video stuff. So at the very least, I'm thinking of trying to, of course, incorporate video of some kind onto the podcast so that you can see my medium grade average boy face while talking with some of these people that I have on for interviews. I'm sure that there will be some people who prefer to be audio only, and that's cool. But I think that the majority of them are like, yeah, video's fine. I was planning on doing that anyway. I mean, a lot of people... Okay, let me rephrase. I've gotten some questions from some people before about, why don't you do video? And I go, well, I don't have internet at the apartment, so that's kind of challenging, and it's a whole thing. And they just go, oh, okay. And they don't want to hear more information, but because I'm nervous before we start interviewing, I give way too much information, so... It's a fun little fact about me. I start talking more when I get nervous. All right. I think I have covered everything now. I should have prepared my notes. Typically I do, but then sometimes I also do this where I get annoyed and then I just go, well, that's a good enough space to be in for podcasting. At the very least, I'm bringing a tad more energy than tired boy Jesse who <laughs> can sound like this a little bit. <laughs> not as engaging you gotta be engaging all right now that we're all done with the intro and we have done enough of talking for the outro let me give you a call to action do subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice or if you like to do the youtube thing if you're on youtube right now drop a comment or press like press subscribe did you know that no i'm kidding i Wanted to give one more shout out to Firepuff12. The interview of ours right now has over 200 views, and I suspect that has a lot to do with All Star Brawl being in the title. Hey, that's a big deal, apparently. Nickelodeon making their own platform fighting game. A lot of people seem to be interested in that at the moment. So I'm going to go ahead and guess that's part of it, but I know that the Fire Nation is strong. I know that Firepuff12 rightly should by the way inspires the masses so i want to say thank you for giving me my most successful youtube video yet and i also want to say thank you to sprinting legs who i can't do this without she helps out with that stuff so thank you sprinting legs and that's about it i truly am done so we'll catch you next time and i hope that you come back all right peace